I had to shake him on my last case, big O don't play. in with everybody we got uh donnie calling in from the road what's up everybody you north carolina yeah i'm uh, i'm down here in the outer banks north carolina uh how was the drive down there man it was good it actually really wasn't bad you know uh it was we didn't know what to expect we were taking the trip with uh, a four-month-old so <laughs> Uh, you know, she's never been in the car for more than an hour up till that point. So, but she, uh, she took it like a champ, you know, it, it, we took a lot of breaks. You know, if you GPS it, it says it's a nine and a half hour drive. I mean, it took us 13 and a half hours to get here. Oh yeah. You know, we took, we took, took our time. We took bathroom breaks and got out and walked around and ate lunch and whatever. But, uh, it was, it was relatively smooth. Good. Don Senior's already on the beach fishing. What's the fishing oh, yeah. report? It's been tough, you know. I <laughs> I just let him go down there. He he goes down first thing in the morning. He takes a thirty pack of Miller Lights and a lawn <laughs> chair and hits the surf and uh, he goes to town. And I wait for him to start hooting and hollering, and then I'll walk down. I haven't had to do much fishing this week. The vacation it's, of uh, champions. It's been a tough bite. Has he caught yeah. anything? Yeah, he's got a few fish. Oh, good, he's got good. a few, uh, few sea mullet. I think a couple of blues, but nothing, nothing too spectacular. It's been tough. No, yeah. no bloodshed on the bluefish. No, no. That's he's good. he's got it down to an art now. <laughs> an old veteran. <laughs> we also have Owen coming in from uh, Pittsburgh. I don't know. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. What's up, Owen? Nothing. Everything going well? You, you I am, practicing uh, your wrist exercise? Yeah. How are you doing over there, Mr. Hawk? Well, it is confirmed that uh, I have <laughs> fractured my wrist, and I will therefore be out of the casting game for at least uh, at least four to six weeks. So I am not too happy. Uh, my my skateboarding career has, co- has come to an, illu- an illustrious <laughs> end. Short but sweet. A, sc- a screeching halt, we will say. <laughs> but uh, but I'm 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 on my way. I'm on the mend, and I'm looking forward to getting back out there. Owen's uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 19 or whatever they're on now. <laughs> Contract yeah, my, my, has been my uh, kids, revoked. My, my kids convinced me to go to the skate park with them, and and I have my own skateboard. Like I'm not, I'm like I said, I'm not an idiot. You know, I have I snowboard. Like I, it's I'm not. I didn't just like hop on my kids' skateboard and be like, like uh, go out from under me. I just came down. I just went down the wrong way, and my wrist, the way it went under me, whew, no bueno. Did you tell the doctor you did it skateboarding, or did you yeah. avoid that? Yeah, I've been honest. Okay. I was honest about it. Fourth and final hunk this evening, Tom Venata. Hello. Obviously not the normal intro guy tonight, but I'm proud of you. Trying to in- intimidate our guests with a bunch of uh, musky gear hanging in the background. I forgot to hang my flies up, <laughs> my, my, my two musky flies that I own. <laughs> I'm already you got shaking. two more than me. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little ill prepared, but I think that this guy has us taken care of in the other department. Oh yeah. 
So who is our guest tonight, Donnie? All right. So uh, I'm uh, I'm actually I'm really excited about tonight's guest. This is a guy that I've been following on social media for uh, a number of years now. And uh, I mean, if if you you know keep, keep an eye or your ear to the ground in social media in the Pittsburgh and, and Western PA area, and you watch the uh, the musky scene, I'm sure you've heard of this guy because he catches a ton of big fish. And he's been doing it for a while, and he always is doing it on the fly, which has always caught my eye. Uh, I personally know nothing about fly fishing. I'm going to start with that. That's why I'm so interested in this conversation. I can that makes say two of us, don't 100% honesty. What's that? I said that makes two of us. I, I can say with 100% honesty that I have never casted a fly rod in my entire life. Not one time, but... I see the pictures of uh, that this guy posts and and the the fish that he catches and uh, some of the stuff that he's doing, and uh, it's just it just seems uh, really cool to me and something that I would like to maybe try in the future, and uh, that's why I wanted to get him on and kind of talk to him about uh, what he's doing and how he got into it and uh, kind of you know ask I guess the beginner questions that. Maybe, uh, you know, somebody else that might be wanting to, to try and get into uh, doing a little fly fishing for muskies or other species might might be able to ask. And so that guy is Mr. Scott Grassi of Keystone Angler Guide Service uh, right here in Western Pennsylvania. Uh, so uh, without further ado, go ahead and say hello, Scott. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure and an honor. and. Uh, Donnie, you really moved me with that opening statement there. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you and Donnie was writing that. I am very humbled, honestly, and I'm I'm not joking. I mean, just to be you know on your show is an honor. You guys are all accomplished musky guys, and you know, for you to invite me in and talk about you know something that I'm very passionate about, I'm, I'm honored and I'm thankful. So thank you. Thanks yeah. for coming on. We're excited yeah. to have you, man. We're, we're I don't looking think forward to this conversation. Maybe you were thinking about a different group of guys that are accomplished, but we're glad to have you here. You might have made you clicked the wrong link tonight, but we're still glad to have you. <laughs> Get out of here. Tom Tom claims to be an accomplished steelhead fisherman, but we haven't seen it yet. Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. This guy is a little more accomplished than I am. He, he, I think he knows how to deal with them a little better. So, Scott, where, where did you get your start with the with the fly rod? You know, like, you know, was it obviously you don't start musky fishing with a fly rod? How did you, <laughs> did you, did you, did you start fly fishing or did you start like bobber fit regular bobber fishing? My whole fly fishing career, how I started, or how did I get started in the musky fly fishing? Yeah, Just I would fun. say let's start yeah. with how you start got at the into, beginning. Yeah, right. When did Scott uh, Grassy get a fly rod yeah. or get a rod, a fishing rod? Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I've fished my whole life, and I tell you know a lot of my clients when I was a you know probably 12, 14 in that ballpark, my dad used to drop me off on his way to work uh, at a local stream. And I'd fish all day. And then on his way back home, he'd stop and pick me up. So I basically have been fishing, you know, my whole life. Um, it, I got to a point where, you know, you, you're using bait and using spinners and, you, you know, all that type of stuff. And that starts to get old. Um, so 
probably tr- early- trout and bass and stuff or just fishing for everything you know it was, yeah it's just awesome doing and um i'll kind of morph this into how i caught my first muskie um i was on fishing for bass um, with a couple buddies i was in my early 20s this was still pre-fly fishing days um and we get to this small river out in central pa it's called the frankstown branch for anyone that knows the area um, we were fishing for smallmouth, and we hit this first hole up and I, i'm looking in this hole and i see these two musky and they were you know low 30s and they were paired up with each other and but i was fascinated those were the first two musky i've ever seen in my life and you know we're all three casting stuff at them trying to catch <laughs> bombing my, away my two buddies they got bored after five minutes and i i sat in that hole for six hours trying to catch <laughs> fish i mean i i i didn't see them for six hours they would come and go but i was still i pounded that hole i'm trying every rapala i had in my box and my buddies come back at the end of the day and it's like right at dark and they're like dude give up on these fish i'm like last cast <laughs> and i threw that rapala out and you know brought it in and boom one of them hits it but we're trying to net it in a, a damn trout net and that fish kind of you know kind of summarizes how the mentality of you know fishermen in general there's three of us there and out of the three of us i was the only one determined enough to want to catch those fish and that's Mm -hmm. the way musky fishing is in general you know like not it's not for everybody you know it's got to stick them out yeah you got to wait them out and you have to you know they're gonna eat when they want to eat and that's what i love about them you know they they make you work for them. They make you earn it. You know, the, the trout, you can go out and catch trout whenever, you know, they eat literally all day. Steelhead mm-hmm. will eat pretty much all day. Mm-hmm. Bass, you know, but musky don't. They eat at certain times and they eat when they want to eat. And that's why I love fishing for them. But um, I know I got off kind of on a little bit of a tangent on, nah. on you know, so how did it go from that to full blown? I mean, well, like, does that did you catch the musky bug right then and there? You were like, I got to catch more of these. Well, I, I, I didn't, um, but I did catch the fly fishing bug right, you know, within a year or so after that. Um, the musky was always in the back of my head, but then I started fly fishing, which opened up a whole new world for me, which, you know, that was the trout fishing at first. You know, I just engrossed myself in chasing wild trout in central PA and on on the fly and i was learning the trap how to catch trout and how to drift properly and you know that took a you know wow and you know then i get into the steelhead that's a whole different arena you know a whole different fish to learn and you know so after going through the steelhead and all that with the flies and i had a buddy that was gear fishing for muskie and he's telling me these stories about these you know fish and it kind of brought the muskie back into my mindset and um you know i i i was kind of maxed out on doing the trout and the steelhead i you know they just didn't drive me enough anymore as a fisherman so i i'm like i'm gonna start fishing for these muskies with flies you know and when i first started i didn't have a 12 weight or you know the heaviest rod i had was a seven weight so i'm like thinking to myself you know i'm looking for a challenge why don't i make it even more challenging using my seven weight to catch these things. <laughs> well, let me let me I, let me stop you stop right there. Right there. Uh, yep. Yeah. You want, uh, all right. Yeah. Uh, you want to take this? You want to go? I was going to say we're on the same wavelength here, Donnie. Um, 
I was just going to say, can you kind of explain to us and to our listeners, what do you mean by a 12 weight, seven weight? Because I've never thrown even a, even a, a, a fly rod, even for a, you know, a trout. Yeah. I was going to go in that direction after I told the seven weight part of it, because there's a learning, there's a learning thing here that I'm going to explain after I go through this. So, good. um, so stay in our lane if yeah. you're telling yeah, yeah. Let's, let's be patient. This this not be an hour long. I'm just telling you, it might be two or three. Oh, That's all right. That's We're here good. for it. Let's go. Uh, we're in, man. I'm looking forward to it. All right, let it so back. You know, ex- back to you know explaining. I had the heaviest rod I had at the time was a seven weight fly rod, which is what you use for steelhead and. Mm-hmm you know, for throwing streamers for trout and bigger waters and stuff like that. But, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, you know, the other guys are using heavier rods and I want to make this a challenge. So why don't I use this lighter rod? You know, like in my head, I get a little fun in my head. I was, I was thought I was doing something more challenging, which, you know, part, partly it was, but what I wasn't realizing is throwing those bigger flies on that lighter rod. It wasn't the rod taking the brunt of the, the stress. It was my shoulder and my arm and my body, you know, it's a lot of weight casting it all day. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going through this for weeks on end, you know, trying to catch my first one. Cause I was so motivated and so driven to doing it that I just kept casting through the pain um and you know eventually i went to had to go to the doctors and i tore here i tore my rotator cuff and never knew it and just kept casting mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so wow. to make a long <laughs> short you know i tell uh, like i do these presentations all the time and i tell people not to use any fly rods lighter than a 10 weight fly rod okay that's like kind of the lighter of the the rods that we use i right now use strictly 12 weight rods just because you know, I like the stiffness of a 12 weight rod. You know, you have fish hitting at the boat side. I like to have a, you know, a little, little more strength in my rod for, you know, hooking fish at the boat. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the direction that I, that I go with my fly rods. So now are those that, like, uh, that answer your questions? I think oh, so. no. <laughs> sure does. Like a, a 12 weight is like, I guess that heavier than most you know even fly people ever even see yeah is that something you're getting custom or well the the 12 weight rods are um yeah you really you're only going to be fishing for muskie with 12 weight rods in fresh water or like a tarpon Uh, or something yeah guys will use 10 like 10s 11s for tarpon you know i i'm trying to think i when i when I fished for tarpon last year, I was using a 10 weight, but yeah, I mean, 12 is like kind of the upper, you know, but I, I have Orvis rods that, that come straight from Orvis that are 12 weight. Um, I do have a couple custom 12 weight rods that I like a lot. Um, Chippewa river customs. I use a lot of his rods. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, the, the rods come in different, price points there's there's inexpensive ones and then you got your more expensive ones the, the chippewas that i get that i get a two-piece for about 400 and some dollars that's shipped so to me that's a reasonable price for a good quality rod 
Um, Tom takes care of, you know, you ever break one, he has a good warranty on them and takes care of his clients and customers. So um, that's the kind of the brand I lean on quite a bit. Not too far off the realm of, you know, uh, a gear fisherman's, you know, rod combo price tag, you know? Yeah, I'm not sure what they run. Um, but yeah, in that ballpark, you, you can yeah. get to me, that's anywhere. Getting into a sport, you want a good quality product, mm-hmm. good warranty. I mean, you're going to put some money into that. You know, that that's the rod, then a, re, you know, a decent reel. You could get one for 150 you know, and then you got line as another hundred. So, you know, under a grand, you're going to have a, a good fly rod set up with, with all the fixings. So that's kind of like the same with gear. You can buy like the shitty entry level setup, but then all you're doing in the long run is you're making yourself buy like another setup because in that's- a year you're going to want the nice one anyway. So you might as well just get educated on it and talk to someone like you to help. Like, I think I messaged you one time and asked about like how deep was I getting in for like a beginner fly rod? Yeah, setup? yeah, and yeah, exactly. Yep. It's, it's not, that was one misconception I had is like fly fishing is like so painfully expensive. Like if I want to start fly fishing for musky, I'm in like five grand <laughs> for like an Orvis fly rod. And like, like, and I guess that's not the case yeah. really. I mean, you can get a good setup for under a grand. Absolutely. You're saying. I mean, and you can like, like you said, there's other price points. You could even go cheaper, but you know, I like going with good products that are, they cover their product too. Like the warranties are huge for, for me. Um, you know, so I did after the seven weight, um, and damaging my shoulder, I did go with it. I, I got it off of eBay. Somebody told me, Hey, there, this guy's selling these rods are like a hundred dollars. I scarfed one up, you know, just because I could have it in a couple days. Um, I, I got one in first fish I caught on it. It busted during the fight. <laughs> I lost it. <laughs> they had to get good, good products, you know? So that's what I tell people when I do these musky fly fishing presentations, like I I'm trying to save them, you know, the anguish and the, the money that I wasted, you know, when I was mm-hmm. getting it, because when I, I started doing it, I didn't know the players in the game. I didn't know who to really go to ask any advice i was kind of learning on as i went you know which mm-hmm. is is good to a certain extent but you know i i you know would have liked to had some advice to kind of lead me in a direction of getting good products up front but mm-hmm. learning experience and we all need to learn yeah. so well when did you because you have the guide service when did that come about did that i would assume that came a little came years after i started fly fishing um, yeah. I started, yeah, that the, I've been guiding for, I think it's seven, seven or eight years somewhere okay. around. Or, um, but I've been, I think I looked, I just started musky fly fishing. I, this is my, going to be my fifth year. Okay. So the guide service came before the whole love for the musky and a little bit before. Yeah. The, nice. Yeah. It was a little bit before that, but I, I, you know, the first, even though I was guiding, like when I first started doing musky fishing, even though I caught, I did kind of decent for, you know, fly fishing for them. I still, yeah. I still wasn't comfortable taking anybody out, um, you know, because I wanted to kind of not to be an expert because I don't think anyone's really an expert at catching musky. I, mm-hmm. you know, 
they're the experts and they're, they give it up to us every now and again. So, mm-hmm. yep. um, but I really kind of know the fish a lot more than I knew when I first started. So I didn't really take anyone out for a couple of years, even though I was still catching fish and I still had people asking about trips. I just wasn't, you know, you got to make sure you can catch them first that's, before you promise someone else, "Hey, we're going to go catch you one." That's like exactly right. I mean, and you guys. That's are, why my guy. That's why my guide service failed because I promised Nick that he'd catch one, and then he didn't, and he left me a bad Yelp review. Yeah. So absolutely. once the fish start getting, that's why I didn't go. Once the fart, <laughs> fish start getting hot, Tom's elbows just get wider and wider. That's you weird. Have, especially in Erie, you got you got to be able to clear them out. <laughs> That's weird, Tom, because Big O's guide service is one for one for getting Nick a muskie. I mean, yeah. 100%. Oh. Yeah. On unknown waters. That's why I failed. <laughs> How about that? But I mean, you, you've that's surprising, right. though, Scott. I mean, it's only been five years. You said five years now. Like, you've been that pretty diehard on the muskie. Like, you've, it seems like you progressed a lot in those five years right. compared to like the normal fly fisherman, maybe. Honestly. What helped over the last couple of years was getting my boat and open up a lot more water and a lot more, you know, opportunities to get on good quality fishing. You know, I mean, that boat's responsible for two 50 inch fish in the last two years that I would have never caught prior. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And what kind boat, of, boat, what kind of it, boat are you running? Cause it's a uh, little unorthodox from uh, your typical muskie. It's a hog Island skiff. Okay. And I, I got a jet motor on it and I can get through some really skinny water and, you know, both those fifties, I had to go through water that, you know, normal, normal boats couldn't get through, you know, to get to those spots. So, I mean, I owe that boat a lot for, you know, the success that I've been having the last couple of years. So. And I, I think I might be overstepping, but from your Instagram posts, I've seen you run, some pretty neat electronics on there too don't you yeah i have uh the garmin pan optics that i got last year that i i started you know having really good once i learned it you know i i've kind of been utilizing it a lot more and i mean it's awesome for when i have clients on the boat because i can literally watch their flies a lot of the time and i can tell them if fish are following their flies in or not i mean mm-hmm it's that that helps so much honestly i mean i I know a lot of people there's mixed reviews on them whether it's or what you know and i and you know in my mind partly i can see that it shouldn't be fair you know because you know you're getting to see yeah i mean you know and especially dudes that want to drop a sucker to straight down on top of their head you know right i know i know one of those guys (sighs) That's not true. I don't even have one. You know, Jesus. Nerd. Tom always tries to make me look like some bad guy. I'm, I'm, last week I was a hardcore troller. Now, talk- I'm, a, now I'm a live scoper. We're talking to a purist here. Scott's all about the single hooks and Dottie's out there hanging live bait. <laughs> you know, that, that, oh, God. that's the, the spectrum that you're looking at. You know, it's like, you know, where, where do you draw the line with the with the with the cameras you know yeah. that would be i could see it being really nice as a guide having that extra confidence knowing that the, you're you're putting the guy right on him well you know? I, I don't know if you guys i i did a uh 
I did a Zoom thing months ago for, I think it was must be full. And I was telling them that the 50 that I caught last year, I was fishing a new waterway and I was, I had no clue this fish was there. Um, I figured eight full two figure eights and I just went to pull my fly up the cast again and I glanced at the screen and I saw the fish like underneath of me. So I was like, damn. So I started figure eighting again. Yeah. Four or five times into the turn, that freaking thing came airborne and I yanked my fly out of its <laughs> face. <laughs> Which in hindsight, it probably worked out better because to keep a fish like that stuck, like when they eat like that, it's really hard, especially that big. And she was just coming full board like a great white. But, you know, the moral of the story is that electronics caught that fish literally the next week when I went back and I spent three days and I caught her, you know, on the third day on the last like 10 minutes before tsunami hit, she finally ate again, you know, but that electronics caught that fish for me, you know, is it cheating? Who, you know, <laughs> who's the judge, you know, but there the the equipment is there why not utilize it right you know why yeah. not you know let it help you catch more fish help your clients catch more fish you know if you can do yeah. it i i completely agree scott and i mean i i don't know i've, I've heard the people that want to try and call live scope cheating or whatever and i i can't do anything but just laugh because i hear this and most of those people are running you know hummingbird side scan on their boat and it's just like i don't know how you could like so say one's say cheating that, and one's what, not what was you know the the advancement from say the the goldfish technology hummingbird to the side scan is is a is a perfectly acceptable leap but the next leap is now too far Where's like, the line you know, how do you right how do you make that decision it's just, I don't know. It, it uh, to me, I just think it's silly. Like you said, the technology is going to be there. People are going to use it regardless. That I, I'm in the same boat as you. No pun intended. If it's there, if I can afford it, I'm going to use it, and I'm going to try and catch some fish while I'm on the water. Yeah, absolutely. Uh <laughs> well, if anything, see the fly fishermen. They're they're making their job harder by using the fly rod. So it's okay if they use the live scope, no matter what. They're just making it even again. <laughs> All right. So I, I mean, guess I got to get a fly rod. Yeah. yeah. So here's a, since we're kind of in an intersection here, I want to ask a really dumb question, I think. So I already stated the fact that I've, I've never casted a fly rod before in my life. Am I someone who could book a guide trip with Keystone Angler guide service? Or do you, are you predominantly taking out people that already have a fly fishing skill set or is this something that you know you're taking out a complete novice beginner and kind of showing them the ropes uh no i would not take you out you'd have to pass fly. you'd have to fly <laughs> fishing proficiency test before you enter <laughs> i definitely fail that did you i mean have do you follow my anglers uh instagram donnie yes yeah. If you see the the last two trips I had, I had a, a one guy that never touched a fly rod in his light, literally never fished for trout or anything with a fly rod. He caught three fish and lost two in a day. 
And then I took a guy and his son out two days later and they, they never fished for muskie ever on a fly rod. And they both, the kid caught two and the guy caught one and they both lost probably three or four each. So no, like I'll take anybody okay. out that wants to learn. Last That's fall, awesome. Uh, yeah, it was last fall, September in October. I had um, 11 new people to the sport of fly fishing mosky and we they had 11 fish hooked that they lost at the boat so i i you just when you take people out that are new to the sport you kind of have to u- utilize your boat and get in boat positions and put them in situations that they don't have to make long casts you know and get them in areas where the fish could be literally anywhere which you know i like fishing a lot of submerged weeds stuff where you know the fish could be literally laying anywhere so what you know they, they make a 10 foot cast you know they still have an opportunity of a fish seeing their fly and eating it and then you know a lot of times you know depending on the time of the year those fish are, are geared up and they're going to eat um, regardless of where you cast so you got to kind of set your clients up for success you know and that's my job and that's why they hire me to do that you know i got a two I like what Donnie said it kind of made you. me think of I got a two-parter for you. Uh, First, what waters are you predominantly guiding on without, you know, spot burning? You know, if I'm a client and I want to, and I want to book a trip, do I, you know, do I get to choose what bodies of water I want to fish or, or, or is that based on, you know, where the hot bite is? And number two, do you change your bodies of water based on uh season like seasonal well i kind of go where the hot bite is um and and going back to you know the skill set of their casting that kind of determines where you take people a lot of times as well um another is is boat traffic you know like some of these lakes like i like to go to edinburgh but you can't literally fish it fish it anymore because you know the the boat traffic on on it is outrageous and you got jet skiers flying past you you got water ski you know it just makes things hard so um as far as where the where i take people it it just really depends on you know like i said their skill set um you know if we're in moving water situation weather has a lot to do with it you know with rains and stuff like that and flooded waters like you know a lot of times it's a a few days before the trip call for me and it just goes off of my instinct and where I think, you know, I'm going to be able to get these people on fish. So I, I don't get locked into taking people to certain waterways and, you know, they, they usually, or they don't get a chance to really tell me where they want to go. They're going to go where I, you know, think their best odds are catching mm-hmm. them. And that could be, in Ohio, that could be in PA, or it can be in New York, because I, I take people over in New York, too. I'm on a couple smaller waterways in New York. So, you know, I have lots of options, um, you know, and it just depends where the hot bite is. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, depending on the time of year and, and different factors. So That's awesome. I like what Donnie was saying, too, about, like, having not a lot of experience fly fishing, because I hear that a lot from guys, like they don't want to get into musky fly fishing because they don't have any fly fishing experience. And now do you think that's like a 
relevant concern or i mean you're teaching these people that have never fly fish to catch a muskie in a day i mean it seems like it, that's not like a deal breaker like if you've never held a fly rod like donnie that's not a that's not a brick wall in between catching your fly muskie <laughs> oh absolutely not and and like i said it it you know if somebody wants to go out on their on their own and do it you know i'm, I'm trying to grow the sport because the more people that do what i do the better it is for the sport and the better it is for the fishery in itself. You know, that's what mm -hmm. we're all trying to do. We're, we're trying to ensure that there's a great musky fishery for everybody to fish. So the more people doing it, I think is only, you know, benefit to the fish. So um, I, I highly encourage anyone that's interested in doing it, even if they want to do it on their own. And I, and I offer this all the time to like uh, these people that I put the presentation on for, you know, I'm always open to helping anybody that contacts me, you know, even if they're not going to hire me to take them out for a day, I just want people to start doing it more, you know, and in the end, hopefully building the sport and, and helping the fish in the process. And like coming at that from the other way now, I mean, I know you're, you're a big time like steelhead fly fisherman, but steelhead is like a totally different ball game. Like you're talking strike indicators, hitting like a good drift and stuff. Do you think coming from a steelhead background helped you with the muskie or is that like a throw everything, you know, out the window, like we're going muskie fishing, that kind of deal. Uh, not, I mean, there's some similarities on the different, um, mm -hmm. like as far as throwing streamers, like when I weighed, when I was first started wade fishing for the first few years, there was a lot of technique that I used for muskie that was working that I also used for steelhead, like swinging flies in the certain areas. And, you know, in certain water conditions, I was fit, literally fishing for muskie in the same way that I'd fish for trout or, or steelhead, you know, with just bigger streamers. And I, and that kind of goes back to what I was saying, how I learned, you know, how to fly fish or muskie on my own without reading anything, without going and looking at what the experts we're doing. I, I learned to fish for them on my own. And I, I, I was successful at doing those different tactic tactics and technique, you know, just because I was kind of naive to what was going down. And I, and I just, you know, the fish literally tell you, you know, what works and they were, mm -hmm. they you know they were eating my presentations doing what I do for steelhead and trout. So <laughs> You're just not using a strike indicator and a little know, heavier rod. Yeah. You got a little heavier rod and you're using a lot bigger flies, but you know, they're fish and, you know, in a lot of moving water situations, they, a muskie's going to relate to structure in the same way a trout or steelhead is. I mean, I don't, I don't care what anyone says. I find them in the I same agree. type of frigging water that trout and steelhead would lay in. Mm -hmm. It, I tell bass guys that too, like just go bass fishing, like throw, you, you see a, a bush, you see like, <laughs> like a rock and a deep hole, chuck, there you go. Like it's, it's upscale bass and trout fishing. That's, yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, I, I catch them in moving water, believe it or not. Like they, they hold just like a trout and steelhead. I don't know how else to explain it, but mm -hmm. I catch moving water, uh, you know, behind boulders under boulder like they they relate to structure just like any other fish so mm -hmm. fish them in moving water the same way and i i've caught them out of that water you know lots of times so so uh, I, uh, so uh, I, maybe i'm getting ahead of myself here but uh 
I book a guided trip with uh, Scott Grassi, uh, Keystone Anglers Guide Service, guided muskie yeah. fly trip. Predominantly, are we fishing? Then you're, you're fishing out of the boat when you're mu- doing your muskie trips predominantly, and, and I'm assuming your steelhead trips are more uh, geared to, to like bank and, and shore fishing. Is that kind of a fair assessment? Yeah, the trout of the program. Yeah, the trout and the steelhead trips were definitely way eating in the tributaries and uh you know in the, the trout we're doing in central pa and streams and stuff like that now as far as the muskie go um i always tell like i just talked to t- my two clients coming up for this weekend that you know they asked about waders and i tell them you know always to bring in waders because you know we get a, a rain that comes in and we're going to be fishing a river and we can't fish it now all of a sudden because it's flooded you know we got to be able to react to that um, I try to avoid going to the lakes on the weekends just because of the boat traffic and stuff like that. So if somebody has a pair of waders, I can take them to several different waiting spots and, you know, we can okay. keep, we can keep the trip going in, in that direction. And, uh, I think it was last year, the year before there was a couple, uh, trips that I had people on the boat in the morning and we got blown off the water and, you know, we, I pulled the boat out and we went and hit wade spots up and they caught their their fish in a wading spot that we weren't planning on fishing so you got to be you got to be able to be mobile you got to be able to you know take people you know be able to adapt to the different situations that are thrown times you know right i was curious we just talked you were talking about that uh 50 caught and said that like it came out of the what like straight up torpedo kind of deal yeah yeah. you said those are tough to to catch that way i I mean me when they eat at the boat i mean it's like a 50 50 chance that you're gonna know i mean when i look back at that fish i'm glad that i pulled my fly away (laughs) just because you know when catching her the following week i I, ate away from the boat and i stuck her hard and i stuck her good and she you know wasn't getting off eats at the boat and you know who the hell knows what happens i could have never saw that fish again and you know i don't know i just right i like them eat away from the boat <laughs> and you're you're all you're still running like all single hook fly or well single shank flies on everything no treble hooks or anything like that <laughs> treble hooks i got this one here's a um, this is called a kraken from nightmare musky flies this is a double double hooked that's articulated okay um yeah i don't use treble hooks i just use the singles yep. hmm, um, cool. this this fly here has the pacarini tail on it i don't know if you guys are familiar with this dragon tail. tails or yeah the dragon tail um the last i think three or four fish that i just caught in the last week week and a half or so all came on this fly with this tail um i'm starting to fish this hmm. this i'm starting to fish this fly a little bit more with this tail um, i'm doing a two-hand retrieve and i'm keeping the fly moving uh-huh. this tail is like tail literally coming. it's looking like you guys you know what you guys use and what do they call them bucktail spinners leaf almost yeah this kind of mimics it. it doesn't i'm not fishing them with the speed that that you guys fished them uh the bucktails with but i'm like kind of just keeping the fly moving and making it swim and the fish are just 
absolutely annihilating it in, in that fashion. So looking at how crazy that flies, it makes me think like I know in steelhead fishing, like trout fishing, you tie flies like there's this weird kind of in the trout and steelhead community, like you can't use certain materials like the squirmy wormy. It's like, oh, you can't. That's, that's not a fly. Like do, do, do musky fly fishermen catch shit for like all the stuff they're tying onto their flies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, that's the usually you get that kind of talk from the, the pure trout guys. They're the ones that criticize yeah. everything. You know, 10 years ago, uh, strike indicators for competition uh, fly fishing was was what you used. Mm-hmm. And then sudden the European check nymphing, you know, tight line nymphing came in and they're, now they're, you know, strike indicators are like taboo and they're junk and mm-hmm. they don't work. And, you know, it's just, that's usually the trout guys that, that have well, an issue with everything, but. I bet the trout guys would catch a lot more trout if they started tying those like dragon tails and flies and stuff. You know what? <laughs> I saw some uh, smaller dragon tails that guys have been using, but uh yeah, I don't know. I just love these these packerinis, and I'm actually guiding uh, the the guy that created these fly these tails, um, Paulo Packerini. Okay. I'm guiding him for five days this fall, so I'm I'm really looking forward to getting him out. And That's cool. Seeing, yeah, seeing what he can do. So I'm a little pissed off that he uh, got his cherry broke um, a couple weeks ago. He went to Virginia. Oh. So I'm, I'm not not going to be his his first uh fly uh, musky on the fly guide but um, maybe his best yeah so i wanted to ask you we just talked to a guy joe cermelli and he was honest like and i mean i think in most cases a fly rod is kind of like a disadvantage like you're making it hard on like you're making it more of a challenge for yourself like intentionally kind of like it's it's you're i think you're going after the challenge but i think I know I fish a lot of moving water and you said you fish a lot of moving water. I think in those scenarios, sometimes like that ultra shallow kind of shit, like a fly rod can be a, a deadly kind of weapon. Like, do you see that? Like where it's the ideal tool for some places you're fishing? I, it's hard. It's hard for me to compare the guy, the gear aspect of what you're kind of, yeah. because I don't, I've never fished gear and I don't understand, you know, the, the concept behind it, mm-hmm. but, um, my friend Brady March, you guys know Brady. Yeah. He mm-hmm. uh, he fishes yeah. gear a lot. He specifically got into fly fishing this past year because he felt that flies were kind of had the advantage during the winter. Evidently, from the way you can fish gear to the flies, it was a better presentation, slower, higher. That's all I the only thing I can explain that I would know on the gear aspect. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I've, I fish my flies up to 25 foot water with my flies with a little, like general gear is going to be like a quicker sink rate. I mean, we, we can get like the, the semi buoyant glide baits and stuff, but I think like your rubber baits and stuff and bucktails, yeah, they they sink like a rock. You know, I, my sinking line, I think it has a sink rate of six inches per second. So, um, you know, if you let it get down, you know, wait a little bit, it'll get your flies down. And I've caught fish in a little bit deeper mm-hmm. water too. So, but whether it has an advantage over the gear, I wouldn't know. I, I don't know. Can't say. No. You're faithful to the fly rod. I. That's what I. I, I 
I was going to say that before, when you saw that muskie, I guess you were kind of screwed. You were already committed to the fly rod at that point. You couldn't be like, oh, I'm going to go to Dick's and buy myself a bait caster. Your friends probably would have made fun of you a little bit. You were like, I, I, Tom, I wouldn't know how to throw a bait casting rod. On. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, though. That's really cool. I have a spinning rod since, you know, my early 20s when, I, you know, probably around that same time. Once I picked the fly rod up, everything else went away, and it was it's just been kind of a journey that kind of progressed and now you know this is where i'm at and it now, seems like for me like seeing a lot of people the uh the fly thing kind of becomes like a progression in you know their growth as an angler i guess if you will where it's it's like a, a next step for a lot of people so i guess what i was going to ask is like do you see that a lot with with your clients or, or a lot of these people you know uh, guys that have been fishing, you know, you know, say whatever regular gear guys or whatever that maybe want to start getting into fly fishing, or are they typically, you know, guys that are just completely new to it all together, never really fished much at all, or do you get mostly get you know fly guys that are just looking to learn a little bit more? What do you think uh, is is your normal clientele? I guess. Um, I get a good mix, honestly. Um, I get a lot of people that, you know, are trout guys that want to try musky fly fishing and they, you know, call me up and I take them out. Um, I have, uh, you know, like I told you before, I had people, you know, that guy, he never touched a bite, but he liked musky and liked the idea of musky. So he's like, what the heck, I'm going to try it. And, you know, and I, you know, have other guys that are hardcore fly guys and, you know, that fish for musky all the time. And they, you know, I, I just had two, two young dudes a couple of weeks ago, they came from Maine to fish with me and, you know, and, and I, yeah, I look back, you know, on the people that I take and it's so odd how I've taken some, some excellent, excellent musky fly fishing dudes that didn't catch a fish but they should, you know, they, they did everything right and they should have caught fish. And then I take people that never did it and they're freaking catching two and three, you know, yeah. like that's the same with gear, man. Goes the yeah. same way. That's muskies. Mm -hmm. That's just, that's musky in general. That the is, guy would throw in the, the bobber and the worm catches. That's one. it. And that, that's what I love about these fish because they don't give two shits who you are. They don't care about your pedigree. They don't care about what you're using. You know, they're yeah. going to eat what you feel like eating. You know, you just be, you know, stubborn enough to wait them out. And and when I first started chasing muskie on a fly, that's what I told everyone. I'm like, I'm going to be more stubborn than these fish because, you know, I, I'm going out there, I'm moving fish, they're not eating. I'm like, I'm going to catch them eventually. They're going to eat, you know, they're, yep. I'm just going to be more stubborn than them. And that's basically what you got to do. You got to be persistent. You just have to keep doing it, you know, and your bites are going to come the more time you put into it. Mm -hmm. So, but as far as the clients, I get a good mix of everyone and, and, you know, I, I take anyone that wants to learn. I actually had a, a guy that contacted me last week and he was a gear gear guy. Um, he wants me to take him gear fishing and I'm like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's like one, of, it's like a catch 22. Like, do I cross that line or don't, you know, like I, 
I feel like it would be cool to do a comp, like if you had two guys fishing and one wanted to throw flies and gear, that mix up, up in presentation sometimes would be yeah. cool to see. Yeah, yeah. I, and I I just wouldn't have anything to offer a gear person other than taking them to good water where I catch fit. You right. know? <laughs> I don't have any of the gear I can't. Like, hey, you got to work that glide bait a little bit, like, you know, better, like, you know, I'll be able to advice but it's funny to me though there's such like a divide between musky fly fishing and musky gear fishing and it, it really is like one and the same like fly i feel like when you're working a fly it's no different than us working like a tube or yeah. working like a beaver or you know what i mean like like we have these baits that are similar to flies but and I, I, we actually had a listener uh chris he asked me a while ago if we ever got a fly guy on to ask this question so i wanted to ask you gear guys especially there's this like rumor and i know i know off the bat it's not true but i hear it so much that fly guys they fight the musky too long like you know they kill the musky they're fighting the musky for 15 minutes what and i like where does that come from you think because i know that's not true you guys are using these 12 weight rods like you're smoking them it is yeah that's like it isn't true at all honestly the only i had i mean my 250s that i caught in my boat were the only ones that I fought the longest. Mm-hmm. And how long would you say long is? A couple minutes? Like I'm gonna say minute, two minutes. I'm gonna say a minute. Yeah, right. A minute or so. I mean, when it's happening, you don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's tough to perceive. It feels like twenty minutes. You know, but... and I mean, the reality is, a fifty could do that to a gear guy. Yeah, right? exactly. Especially yeah. if you're by yourself. That's... I fought forty <laughs> inches for a minute before. A little feisty forties. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like those the the 50s literally i'm by myself and they you know they there's nothing you can do like i'm doing everything in my power to get the damn fish mm-hmm. you know they're they're a different breed of caliber of fish and until you've caught one you have no freaking idea what you know especially when they're in moving water i mean they have that current they have you know like not the place a, for the seven weight no the seven weight would <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean i i mean most of these fish you're stripping even mid 40s you're stripping them in in 15 seconds right. you know? yeah. like how much quicker do you need to freaking get them in the yeah. net yeah. You know? once it's planted I, I caught, it's it's I, over i caught a fish in early spring um if the water was probably 40 degrees 45 degrees um brady was with me the fish hit at the boat he had the, the net and the fish in the net in 10 seconds, if that. Pulled the fish out, started taking pictures, and the fishes started getting red on his back. Like, in mm-hmm. 30 seconds. Like, yeah. he should have never stressed out in that amount of time. Like, you know, it, some, fish, some fish, I think, are just more sensitive to being caught. And that can happen with gear. Mm-hmm. It can happen with flies. I mean, it. It is. I have like a I have like a theory on that. I think that whole perception comes like you said when you started out. You're like, I'm just gonna take this steelhead rod and I'll make it work. And I think that that's like just with gear too. We have these novice gear guys that get into it with like their bash rod, and they're the same ones that are also fighting musky for 20 minutes. You know, so I think maybe that's where that that misconception comes from is the novice fly guy out there just making his steelhead steelhead rod work for the musky. You know. Well, I, I can get that, um, but I can tell you, I caught a few including my first fish that I ever caught on a fly which was 46 inches 
on my seven weight. <laughs> and it wasn't the fight of the, like I had the fish, you know, caught like this fighting a fish on my seven weight was not any issue. It's mm-hmm. just, thr- it's throwing those flies is what oh. the problem is. And my seven weight, I mean, knowing what I know now and all the fish that I've caught, that rod didn't fight the fish any longer than, you know, my 12 weight. I mean, right. that's just the reality. I, that's cool. They don't, they don't, you know, you're not fishing for musky for the fight. You're fishing for that eat and that, mm-hmm. you know, the, that adrenaline, yeah. you know, don't, yeah, yeah you, you guys know, I mean, they don't fight overly hard. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, but the fifties, the I'm telling you, those things are a whole different ball game and they don't want to be caught and they will put up a fight on gear or fly rod. So, I mean, yeah. fortunate, both of my, my big ones that I caught like that, they, you know, swam off health. I mean, you don't, how do you know? Like, right. you know, they, they, they I don't know. Yeah, right. All, we we assume fish to fish. We assume because they swim off that, that they swim off healthy. And that's kind of the, you know, the whole question with the hot water, you know, you know everyone's convinced that hot water kill, kills these muskies, but you know, then you got the whole uh, half of the, half of the musky guys saying well i catch i catch the muskies in this warm water and they swim off just fine like you know i don't think any there i don't think anyone really knows what what these fish really go through and what the you know what is it like the lactic acid whatever the acid buildup is if they fight longer you know I, I, are there you know i'm sure there are scientific you know studies out there on that stuff but i don't think there's any definitive answer recently Steve oh. Gold was in, Steve Gold was involved in a, a big study in that down in Virginia, West Virginia, uh, West last Virginia couple did, years yeah. in, in Stonewall and stuff. It that would be. I mean, we don't have to get too far off subject right now, but that would be something maybe to bring him back on to talk about at some point because mm-hmm. I know they did a lot of. And that's relatively that new. That's kind of mm-hmm. new stuff. I definitely think though the warm water the warmer water you get gotta kind of be a little more conscious for sure i don't yeah that water starts getting over you know anywhere near like 74 like in that ballpark i'm not even fishing anymore i mean that's just my practice i feel Um, feel like i've noticed that more too scott in uh flowing water would would you agree with that the the flowing water as far as more sensitivity uh, more being being a little more sensitive to the the warmer water which is something that kind of in my head I, I had always thought would be the opposite but uh i mean you know, I, I moving water you got more oxygen being generated and it would help them you know but and you know a lot of these moving waters that i you know especially the wade fishing ones you know they're not overly deep so it doesn't take much to warm them up to a point where you know even tailwaters you know they're going to come out of a dam at a, a colder temperature but it doesn't take much for that water to warm up the further you know right. it gets river so um it's just a preference or my personal you know, thing that I do is I won't fish them, you know, when it starts getting over 70 too far, just, I had one that I know, um, died and it was the one that, um, ripped my thumb open and I, I tried everything in my power to get the fish to, uh, 
and it, and the water was 71 degrees that day and it just mm-hmm. i couldn't do anything for it and i was bleeding to death so <laughs> i uh, i'm it swam off but it was slow and i you know that fish really haunts me to this day you know and i so i just you know it starts getting over 70 and i just shut it down i mean that's just my own personal thing so i think that's a a good nick there's something that you know some fish they just don't handle it they you know i don't know what it is i don't you know i mean it doesn't seem any different than one fight to the next and sometimes they just don't make it i don't know what that that one really it just flabbergasted me because it was like any you know i caught it really fast and you know i don't i don't know it just it just it didn't feel good to me and it it just you know it haunted me you know and it still haunts me to this day and it's mm-hmm. really over conscious of what i'm doing with these fish because you know, I just don't like that feeling of knowing that one possibly didn't live or most likely didn't live, you know. I think that's a fly thing, like a fly fishing thing in general, though. It seems like the fly fishing community as a whole is kind of not, I mean, gear guys are very conscious. We want to take care of the fish, but like, like from what I've seen in my past, the fly fishing community just seems a little more worried about like proper fish handling and like even novice fly fishermen. It seems like something that's taught very early on in fly fishing. I think you're right. I, I, I mean, conservation kind of goes hand in hand with the fly fishing community. That's mm-hmm. one nice thing about it. I mean, you know, it, it kind of breeds that mentality. And, you know, I mm-hmm. kind of add trout game into the, the, the musky game myself. And that's one nice thing when you're in a boat with clients and you're, you're kind of teaching them that, you know, aspect um, if you're fortunate enough to catch a, you know, that they're seeing, you know, how quickly we're, we're handling them and getting a picture and then getting them back into the water and getting them off, you know, that's it, kind of a great, um, position for me to be in, to be able to show people that and, the, and the kind of, you know, kind of build, let them build on that mentality themselves and let them share it with people that they know. Mm-hmm. I think that's the best. I think you just chalk it up to that muskie had a had a uh, conflicting blood type to your blood type. So he, that's what got him. Mm-hmm. You're too much of your blood. Yep. That, I mean, it, I don't know. Do you guys have, I don't know if I, I didn't post any pictures, I vaguely remember. but I had to get. I think I remember seeing a bloody hand. Bloody it, hand it, all in the I gloves. I had to get seven stitches. I still have nerve damage. In from it. I had it held right and she just gator rolled on me and just, I let go. And right when her tooth just w- literally sheared me, right? I mean, it opened me oh, up yeah. pretty bad. Mm-hmm. So. That's all it takes. What would you have, like the new fly fishing guy, maybe the guy going from gear to the fly rod, or maybe the guy just picking up the fly rod for the first time? Like, what does he need? What should he be doing? You know, maybe like the, the fly fishing musky crash course for dummies. Well, the crash course is, I mean, rod size, like I was explaining mm-hmm. before. I'm- we have a 10 weight minimum um a 10 weight's a good rod for you know most people that are just kind of learning what they're doing it's not overly heavy but it's heavy enough to to cast most of the flies that we're using um that's a good rod to hold all day you're not going to get fatigued you know the 12 weight rods are heavier they're a little thicker 
So your hand kind of cramps as you're casting all day. If you're old like me, you got to take lots of breaks through the day. So um, real, real wise, I mean, you're not literally ever going to have a muskie on your reel. So, you know, you can get any reel that's going to balance that rod out for you and it's going to hold your, your line. I mean, unless you're using an intermediate line, um, the intermediate line's a lot thicker. It's kind of like a floating line almost, but it's just a real slow sinking line and it's, it's pretty thick. So it fills up your reel, um, a lot more than if you, your sinking line. So you got to be aware of that. Um, the different water weight that, that you're going to be fishing primarily to kind of, you know, tailor your line according to, you know, the water that you're going to fish. A lot of the shallow waters that I'm fishing, um, especially like the wading waters, I'm using that intermediate line because it's not going to sink your fly down into the, you know, the, a lot of these rivers and stuff have a bunch of boulders and rocks and debris and wood and stuff. So if you're using a sinking line, you're always going to be hung up in that stuff. You're really not going to be able to stay above it. So you got to kind of use the intermediate line, um, deeper waterways, moving water, fast water. You want to use a sinking line. So, you know, those are the two options on your lines that you're going to need. Um, and like I was saying on your reels, you got to be able to, your reel has to be able to accommodate the, uh, the intermediate lines. So size wise, kind of be aware of that. Um, as I'm going after big fish all the time. So I'm, I'm not going for numbers. I'm going for big fish. So I use big flies, but you know, these flies here are the ones I use with my clients quite a bit. This is a 10 inch T-bone that I get from uh, streamer king flies. Um, these flies here are light, you know, people that are just learning or people that don't musky fly fish a lot. They can chuck these pretty easily. You know, and these are the flies that the, my clients have been catching fish on and I, and I caught fish on um, recently too. So um, I don't, I usually don't go any smaller than 10 inch. I mean, you know, I'm sure you could get different opinions on going with smaller, smaller flies. Um, I don't personally like going with too small of flies just because like I said, I'm going for big fish and mm -hmm. have so-called experts saying i catch this on these you know i don't care what they do i it's my own personal I know what works for yeah. you and, and you know very rarely will i go with anything smaller than 10 inch so do you have a, like a different or do you use different flies depending on if you're in moving water or lakes um no i i fish my flies according to the water though and let me explain kind like if the I'm depth in, you want to be in yeah the depth and the water clarity like if i'm in dirty water which you know a lot of the northwestern pa waters are you're kind of stained up most of the time i'm using a little bit bigger you know most of the time i'm using these flies and i'm always using these tails okay um, dirty more flash and yeah because i want you know i want that tail i want that movement i want to, to kind of help the fish to pick that fly up in that movement. So I'm using that, you know, quite a bit. Now, if I'm in clearer water, you know, or shallower waters, and I, then I'll go down with this, this little bit smaller one and the more natural colors, you know, this, this one here is like a shaddy type color that the fish have been on. We've been also catching them on the straight white. Um, 
you know, but the water out through white. Yeah. I mean, it, those flies and, and a little bit clear water work really well. So, um, you know, but I, I, this, the combo of this tail, um, in certain water conditions, I mean, it's, it's almost not fair <laughs> because the fish, they miss that tail. I mean, that people can't see right now, but it kind of looks like a Medusa bulldoggy kind of curly tail, but like shredded up. It's got like all kind of fingers. That's wild looking. Yeah. It, they need to make yeah, it. It's really cool. With musky flies. Tell us about the different, I guess, actions that, that are imparted. Like what can you get flies to do with musk with gear stuff? You know, we got dive and rise baits that, you know, we got tubes that you can jig. We got baits. You can fish fast, like a bucktail. Um, you know, our fly presentations all fairly similar. Um, not really. I mean, like just to take this one, for example, this one here, I can strip it in. And when, when you strip it, it kind of, like do like a jigging type deal and i and i i watch it on my panoptics um when on my on my side uh when i have it on side view i'll watch this fly as you strip it every time you strip it and it stops it dies just you know a little bit not a lot but it's diving and those fish will eat that on that pause a lot of times i mean they're, they're literally following it and then when you stop and and pause it that's when they're eating the fly um, I can also two hand this fly and, and utilize this tail a lot and I can control the speed of that two hand. I can, I can rip it as fast as I can possibly strip, which I've caught them doing that too. Um, but I can also just swim it like real nice to where that tail, it just looks like a fish swimming and you can see that tail, um, just turning in the water, you know, looks kind of like the, those, uh, bucktails that you guys use, um, this fly here has kind of like a side to side motion. Um, you can hard strip this thing or you can two hand this thing back in. This has awesome side to side motion. It's kind of like a glide bait in the gear world. I'm thinking. Or yeah, swim bait. Yeah. I mean, it can't, I mean, it'll pause a little bit in the water, um, kind of like a glide. So yeah, I think out of all the flies that I use, this might be the closest. Um, but you can fish this really fast too, and it'll just run side. I mean, you can see that right. tail. See how much it's like articulation real. there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just. I mean, and you guys know they can't stop um, with that side to side motion. It just triggers them into eating. So um, you can fish this fly a lot. Like I was telling you earlier about swinging into certain areas, like in moving water. You can fish this kind of like the steelhead fishing. Um, you can work this fly around structure a lot you can you know kind of there's you know boulders and stuff like that where the fish are hanging on the edges i like to use one of these flies and just kind of swing it into them that way um that's when i'll use a fly like this quite a bit here's what um, about top water do you ever have any top water flies or? um i do i actually have one hanging off of this light here but uh. um I don't use them too often. Mm. Um, I caught one fish on, on a top water fly one time. Um, but I've had fish that I've thrown and the fly hit the water and they literally skyrocketed out of the water. Like it was the fly (laughs) sunk and they were hitting it off the surface. So I count those as top water. That's top water. (laughs) Counts. 
but um yeah i don't use the top water too often i mean sometimes you know if, if i'm feeling it i'll throw one but um not too often though not as common i noticed you got uh looks like the kind of like tieable braid running off your flies there oh that's wire that's 65 pound wire okay. yep yeah i just do a perfection loop tied to it it kind of lets that have some freedom at the fly and then i do another bigger perfection loop and then i have another loop to my leader and i just do like a loop to loop connection okay instead of using so i don't like kind of do a quick change yeah it's a quick change loop to loop i don't i personally am not a big fan of snaps and stuff like that mm. i just get extra weight and all that stuff clunkiness right I, that listen and guys catch fish off of that stuff i mean this is my own personal preference this isn't the most optimal because when you throw all your flies in in your fly box you have all this fire everywhere mm-hmm. it's Tangle getting caught city. yeah it's it's a nightmare but i mean i like this system and i've had luck with it it's just a pers- personal preference i actually know that stuff you're talking you can get it get it in like a spool right like a yeah. little tippet spool that right there is one of the best hacks for like all the gear guys out there throwing the stuff like ryan reed likes to throw the little husky jerks and the little bass stuff man ditch the 150 pound fluorocarbon leaders and you get a spool of that like 60 pounds oh. i think some guys will use like 40 some too yeah, yeah. i just used the 65 because that's I don't know. I, that's just what I've used, and I just keep going with it. That's but great you, stuff. You can use a little lighter, and it'll actually knot up a little bit easier than this 65 pound. Now, this 65 pound, you probably can't see it, but I throw a little. Uh, there's a um, like epoxy loon, on there or something. It's loon knot sense um, that I throw on there to make sure that knot don't come undone because you know back up this stuff. They say it's knotable, but I know it'll it'll come Workless, undone yeah. Mm-hmm. but yeah i mean the, is there... uh, that tieable stuff that's what i mean even you can go down pretty light as i've never really felt worried that a muskie is going to break the line yeah this wire like i've had 20 pounds i've had to nick this up pretty yeah pretty good to 65 um and like i said i know people that use the i think it's 40 is is another one that they use but i don't i don't know if i'd go any lighter than the 40 just because why you don't right. really you know you don't need to push that envelope yeah. I mean, they're not yeah. guy they're gonna eat regardless so mm-hmm. better to have a little extra protection there you know yeah, yeah that's I, great stuff that was another evolution of mine when i first started doing it i was using 80 pound fluoro i wasn't even using wire yeah and i was mm-hmm. and in my in my novice head i'm like there's no way a fish can cut through that 80 pound and then I was reading um, on one of the musky fly fishing Facebook pages, a guy um, was saying, he was talking about that. And he said that it's not a matter of uh, if it's going to happen. It's a matter of when you're going to mm-hmm. lose it. And I read his, I read that. And then I looked at his, the fish that he caught and I'm like, I'm trusting what that guy said. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I went to the wire and, you know, fortunately I didn't have any fish, um, I didn't lose any fish on that 80 pound, but, uh, yeah, the wire isn't, I mean, they don't, they don't really care about the wire. So no. that's what, anytime I run the fluoro, I'm always 
kind of a little bit obsessive about checking it but you know it it's still plastic you know i mean their teeth are way harder than that stuff so for the guy looking for that stuff what do you find it by hang on real quick i'll get it oh you know you have it right there i don't want to steal a secret if this is like a keystone angler guide service <laughs> secret here oh yeah I, okay yeah yeah this is 65 pound and i get this off of amazon i think it's like 10 bucks yeah, a afw yep yeah that is the that's any light gear fisherman's best friend right there is there anything else the new musky guy would need i mean we talked the rod your reel your line you got your fly your leaders what so far it's kind of drawn a parallel to gear i mean is there anything else fly specific that i was gonna say what what's your what's your leader like between your you showed us the the wire leader there off the fly how yeah, long the, of a leader are you run into your fly roll? Well, that, that that is um, another thing that I'd like to explain too. Is I make my own yep. leaders. My leaders, you know, like close to three foot with the wire attached. Um, there's back when I first started doing this, there wasn't companies out there that you could. I mean, I'm sure there was if I looked hard enough, but. You know, there's companies out there now like Musky Full and Musky Town that are actually selling pre-made leaders with the wire and everything. So it's literally just it makes it so simple for guys that are just getting into it just to order, you know, one of them. I think they're like eight bucks for the whole leader, eight or nine bucks. Um, and it and it's perfect length for you and a quick, you know, loop the loop um, connection with your fly line and you're off and running. Um, I just make mine. I, I like using a little heavier um, leader. I'm using six, 60 pound now, but I used to use 80 pound when I was wade fishing a lot um, because, you know, there was times where I'd get hung up, couldn't wade out to get my fly out. And that 80 pound gave me enough strength that I could straighten the hooks out of my fly to get my fly back. And then I could just bend my hook back in the gate. You know, these flies are thirty dollars a piece a lot of them so you know it gets expensive losing flies so that's what kind of got me onto that heavier leader um my sense of going down to the 60 pound and you know i might end up going down to the 40 here eventually but you know a lot of guys are using 20 to 40 pound on their on their regular leader as well um it's just a preference thing but you know those companies make it real nice for people that are just starting you know to get the leader without having to you know to, to make yeah. their leader so rather than taking on another thing when yeah. you're already taking on a new thing yeah, absolutely it simplifies everything it makes it nice and easy for them um the only thing um getting into the fly situation for someone that's just getting into it you know my recommendation is you know most people don't have unlimited funds to be able to buy a couple grand worth of flies so you know, I, I recommend getting a couple flies and a couple different styles. You know, this this one that I was telling you about, this T-bone is an awesome, awesome fly. Most people can cast it. It's 10 inches, you know, getting one in white, one in black and one in perch and, you know, one in, uh, you know, like a bright fire tiger color. There's four flies there. There's a hundred dollars. And then I'd get, you know, a couple flies like this you know, four flies and you got another hundred bucks. So it's 200 bucks to get started. And those colors are going to catch fish for you 
you know, most of the time, regardless of what water situation you're going to come in, you know, mm-hmm. back with. So, yeah. did you ever mess around with tying your own or have you always uh, stuck to these ones? I mean, I'm, I mean, I just don't, I don't enjoy tying flies, period. I tie out of necessity. Right. Sitting there tying one of these for hours on end isn't my idea of fun. I'd rather be fishing, but. <laughs> you know these guys are are great at what they do they enjoy doing it so i'm gonna let them do it and i'll just Mm -hmm. get them so (laughs) can you think anything else like the the guy that has a thousand bucks he's like i want to catch my fly musket anything else that could like the miscellaneous stuff that anybody getting into needs you need you know tools and boring shit you need the tools you need you know pair of sunglasses long (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah you need cutter i got a thousand bucks i'm dropping 400 on costas and costas and beer (laughs) (laughs) nick nick spent his his fly rod budget already on the sunglasses i'll pick up a 20 dollar ugly stick and we'll call it good enough (laughs) you need a gopro you need He, I was thinking this the other day. Every time I have that GoPro on, every time the battery dies or just it before gets the fish off, hits, uh-huh. I, I catch a fish immediately after oh, yeah. that. They can hear that little beep, the muskie. I think they're in tune with that little beep, beep, beep. They know when that happens. It's That's... absolutely ridiculous. Uh, last week, I had caught two fish back to back, and I two handed the one out of this log jam i mean it was freaking perfect video footage i catch two in a row and i look and the freaking camera wasn't even on it uh, <laughs> well, that's the downside about when you start running the gopros because it's fun to get the footage but then you have an additional thing to worry about and then you're yeah. always so pissed at yourself you just caught this amazing fish you have a picture of it everything's well in life and you're like shit my camera wasn't on like that just ruined the whole thing it's like, <laughs> i went to st Clair in, in 2020 and and i caught i was fishing with uh fishing the d guide service uh out there and uh rick wakasey's his name and i caught a, a real nice like 44 and a half inch st Clair fish on a bulldog right. and i was i was pumped you know it was my my second spotted musky uh just the first one casting uh, just an awesome experience. I put it in the net. I had to GoPro on, got it all on film. It was like my first musky casting on film too. And I'm watching it. I'm rewatching it on the boat and I deleted it. I was <laughs> so pissed off. <laughs> it damn near, like I almost, there was like 15 minutes where like, I, it was like, it ruined my day. For, you know, I was letting Trip it ruin runner. my day. And then I had to like, like Tom said, I had to come back to reality. I was like, yeah, yeah. Dude, you still yeah. caught a nice fish. Like you got to. Everything else yeah, is yeah. okay. Oh, oh, a month ago, you didn't even have this camera. Who cares? You know? <laughs> hey, at least you, you got a picture of it. I had my biggest fish that I caught this year a couple months ago. I'm like, had the video running, and I'm like, I'm like, these pictures are gonna look freaking sick. I freaking plopped the thing back in, grabbed my phone. It wasn't even on. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it was the biggest fish here so far. Like you got to 
And that ruined, that literally ruined my day. I'm like, what the freak was the sense of me catching this to get a picture? I'm, I'm glad you brought up your pictures because I've seen some of your pictures and I don't know what it is about the fly pictures. They always just look like they're in precarious places. Well, I don't okay. Know. It, just, it yeah. always looks like your phone is about to fall over into water. Or... Well, the way the wade fishing ones, that's definitely what happened. Yeah, those are the yeah. ones. I'm... Yeah. The boat ones, I have uh, a mount on there that I can put my phone in, and it, that takes halfway decent ones. But yeah, those ones, mm-hmm. my, you know, my, I put my phone up, you know, on a rock or something, and just hope for the best. <laughs> yeah, they're great photos, but at the same time, it looks like if like a butterfly landed on your phone, like you'd, it'd be gone forever. Like it, I'm glad you noticed that, Tom, because that's a lot. A lot goes into that. <laughs> a right? lot of balancing <laughs> skills. Yeah. <laughs> always building little stick forts behind the phone to try to prop it up. Always you know, chewing bubblegum just so you can adhere yeah. it to the. What, what thinks too is trying to get pictures without having any background in their pictures. Right. Mm-hmm. It's crazy the people that just like Hawkeye all that stuff. Just... That, that one I caught, that big one in last fall, I caught. Those those pictures turned out absolutely horrendous. You can't even really tell how big the fish is, but. I didn't have any option. You would have been able to see everything that I was trying to avoid anyone seeing. <laughs> <laughs> and that's tough in those small water spots. Like one twig can give it away to someone right. if you're really trying to hide your spot and you're fishing that skinny fly kind of water. There's literally no what gro- what plant life grows at certain waterways. <laughs> I am not joking, dude. That is how crazy these nitwits are Like yeah. trying to Nick's a a geologist. He scopes out all the The rocks in the background. Yeah. Yeah. There's muskies everywhere. We're out and fish. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. So that's funny. I had a a question that uh, it's a little off subject, but from where we were, but I wanted to get it in while I was thinking about it. we, we talked a little bit about the, uh, you know, the fact that you're doing the bank thing and you're doing the boat thing. Uh, was, was there, I feel like there had to be an adjustment there for you, you know, going from fly fishing on the bank to fly fishing in a boat. Is that, is there a big difference there in, in how you go about that or in, yeah. in yeah, that's a great question, Donnie. Uh, yeah, it was a learning experience uh, going from, you know, wade fishing to the boat. Um, the the wade fishing, a lot, you know, all your takes are literally away from you most. Of, I mean, pretty much all of them are away from you. You know, you're not seeing the fish. You know, the first time I started fishing out of a boat, you know, I'm having these fish come out of nowhere and it's like, what the, <laughs> you know, it's like, shocking you that this you're seeing this big mouth coming at your fly right at the bit even though you're expecting it in your head it's still it takes being in that position a lot to kind of overcoming that shock of a fish and you know i still they catch me off guard to this day they'll come out of nowhere and i'm not expecting it and i jerk my fly and they miss it and you never get another shot at them you know it's you know, that that's something that I'm trying to eliminate, you know, myself, but yeah, it's, it's tough. It's, it's definitely an adjustment and, you know, I like it. Like I said, I like when they eat away 
from the boat a lot more than when they eat at the boat. I mean, when they eat at the boat and they eat it and they, you hook them and you catch them. Yeah. That's awesome when that happens, but you know, there's a lot that can go wrong on those boat side eats. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a learning curve involved. So do you think that's because of the, the fewer hooks you're using? Like, I mean, boat side, if someone's coming in on a bucktail, I got, you know, two gigantic trebles that I can possibly hook it with. I was just going to ask that, Owen. I was going to say, because if I see a fish in an eight, I'm like, oh, I'm catching you bastard. But I know for a fly, right. fly rod, it's a little, things get a little hairy at the boat. And well, why is that? It's because you got to kind of strip back away from, you know, when I'm stripping in, I'm always taking my fly. As soon as it gets back to me, I'm always taking it out away to the right. That way, if a fish is falling, it's going to hit away from me. You know what I mean? So I can strip back in the opposite direction of the way they're eating. Right. Um, you guys, cause, because correct me if I'm wrong, but you're not actually, you're not setting the hook with your yes. rod. Not strip this set. is all strip set. That's, correct? That is where the issue comes up. <laughs> See, then Donnie said he didn't right. know anything about fly fishing. Yeah. He's holding uh, out well, on us. I mean, I've, I've, okay, I've, I've watched a couple videos and I've read some <laughs> of Scott's posts, but that's about as far as my knowledge yeah, goes. That's, that's the issue, and that's what's hard because sometimes they eat in a position that doesn't help you out in, in to be able to strip set into them, you know what I mean? And it's, you know, you'll hook them for a second and then they get off right away, you know, that's what. I had happened with a bunch of my clients last fall, especially we, they had so many fish eating at the boat and they just handcuff people and you have them on for a second. I'm getting the net and then they're off, you know, that how, that's very hard to deal with. How does that work exactly? So say uh, theoretically I'm bringing in my fly, it comes into the eight, it eats in the eight. Are you pointing the rod down at the fish and st then strip setting? Like you're trying to eliminate the bend in the rod or. Yeah. Well, you're not lifting your rod at all. You uh -huh. have your, like when I'm stripping mine and I always have my rod tip buried in the water. Mm -hmm. So when I do my figure eight, I'm keeping it into the water. So if they hit, you know, depending on the direction, you always want to strip back in the opposite direction of the way the fish okay. is. You following me? You want that fly yeah. into their mouth and not. But you're not go. using the, you're trying to avoid using the rod, though, is what you're saying. Yeah. Using a rod to a certain extent, but you're basically yeah. stripping, you know, you're stripping. Trying to do more line work. To than... get that hook set. And then you can, you know, kind yeah, of. Then little bit to try to get the fish up and you know if you have someone in the boat with you that can you know then then they can throw the net in and net it real quick but if you're by yourself then that adds a whole other element of trying to keep the fish pinned and grab the net and then you know, mm -hmm. it can be a shit show trust me it's i think that's why maybe gear guys have a little more confidence in the eight because you just put both hands on the rod and hold on and yeah. wait for the tick and yank the other there's no Home stripping there's no, i think yeah, yeah swing for the fences yeah, i think I mean, at that point we definitely have the advantage you, there that's that's where our nine foot extra heavy rods and 80 pound braid and we just we send them home and, and don't have to really and, and we were just muscle them into the net a little bit that you know we got a worst case scenario got a you got backbone. a little got a little uh, braid burn on your thumb when you're holding <laughs> yeah. the spool in place i'll tell you right nothing scarier than a, a mean fired up muskie in the net with all those treble hooks on on gear. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't. It, Brady, I've netted them for Brady. I don't. I, I get him in a net, and then I'm holding the net and like holding. <laughs> get it away. I don't want to see. Doesn't it. scare Tom a bit. He doesn't even use pliers. He just, yeah, just goes right in there. There. He tries to get uh-huh. get at least one treble in his forearm. That way, it's, it can you know, sense the point. confidence, and they know not to thrash. <laughs> well, I yeah. wanted to add, that brought up a good point, Scott. I wanted to ask too: Do you ever see like a hookup? Any hookup issues using all the single hook flies? Like, do you ever just strip into one and it just goes like, nope? Like, yeah, that, that happens. Like you know, on those client ones that the fish were eating, not in the, and it could be because of that, the way they were fishing, you know, because you know, there's limitations with people that are just learning, you know, uh-huh. I'll be stripping in, not, you know, kind of slowish. And then, you know, they're, they'll go, I like to go fast in my straightaways and then go slow into the turns. And these yeah. fish that they were consistently eating on that straightaway. And I think it's because they were going a little bit too slow on their straightaways. So the fish were just grabbing it from behind and they weren't having a chance to kind of come back against the grain against them. So they would just keep pulling and you'd get a hook in them for a second and the fish would flop around and the hook comes out. You know, that's, mm. that's why that was happening because the fish weren't T-boning the fly and the eight like they should. They were eating on the straightaways. Um, but yeah, that, that happened in those cases, uh, definitely. So I just, I noticed sometimes with gear too, like you'll get them in, we have nine hooks on a bait and there'll be one pronged by like <laughs> one prong of one of the three trebles. And I'm like thinking in my head, like how much benefit are these hooks? Like really, you know, like, yeah, yeah, I know. I don't. And that's, that's the reason why guys are scared to throw spinner baits. Like why well, know Owen has trouble getting guys to use these spinner baits because everybody has this like perception that single hooks are horrible. Like I'm not going to hook any. And I think that's wrong. I, yeah, it's weird because when I when I catch fish and I have the single hook in their mouth, it, I like look at it in their mouth. I'm like, why doesn't that happen all the time? Like perfect, mm-hmm. and now it's like right. jackhammered yeah. through, like piercing <laughs> stuff. You know, there'd be other ones uh, that hit and you lose them or miss them or you know, and it just depends on the fish eat like how they eat a lot of times. Right. You know, a couple weeks ago. I had a day I was literally over freaking five and it, and it wasn't because of me. It was because they weren't overly eating. They were just kind of doing that lash out type hit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You guys have all been in a position and saw when they want something, they're freaking eating that thing. There's nothing that's stopping them from eating mm-hmm. it. That's you right. know? So, so for me to have a day where they're doing like, that's frustrating as hell, but it's nothing I can do. It's, just the way they're eating that day you know they're just not that's what I really i don't know how many times i've been out where you're again i'm a i'm a dirty troller but <laughs> you'll be out and you'll get hits and you yeah <laughs> don't get, don't get your stink on me <laughs> you just get like you know two clicks of the the clicker and then you know you finally do catch one and it's just got a single that tail treble hook just barely through the lip. I mean, they're just barely nipping them. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Some days they're just non-committal. That's the way like they are. And that, you know, we fish for them because, you know, that's the way they are. <laughs> you know, we, I wouldn't trade anything about them. I mean, it is yeah. what it is. Like it makes fun. It makes, like I, I said on previous podcasts that I was on that, you know, the beauty of it is, 
they kicked my ass a lot of the times, but I still wouldn't trade it, trade it in because if it gets easier then what fun is it? Right. You know, like number mm-hmm. one, if it's easier than everybody can do it. I like, I like kind of doing something that's hard to do. Like I relish in that challenge and that battle. And that's why that I'm, I'm doing it. So I like having my ass kicked the majority of the time, because then when I catch them, you know, it's like, yeah, I got up on you this time. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I think that's why we all do it to a yeah, point. You know, sure. I think whether you're fly fishing, trolling or casting or whatever, muskies still do it to all of us yeah. in one way or another. That's exactly. That's the neat thing about it. I love it. <laughs> that's awesome. See, there's not all we have way more in common than we have different us gear guys and us fly guys. Okay, it's all big it. rumor. Well, I, yeah, fishing with Brady and seeing that gear, how they you guys fish, like it helped. It's helped me kind of mm-hmm. like it. It's kind of showed me how easy you got that. <laughs> <laughs> we we wouldn't uh, we we. We wouldn't want you to let down your fly following guys by not taking a couple shots at us. I, I, and I don't it. think there's any question that, that that conventional gear is easier. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think by definition, I think it's easier. Yeah, for I, sure. and I think it gives us it gives you a lot more options. You know, I mean, we can do the trolling. We can do casting. We can cast in a bunch of different ways. So, I mean, it, the, there's there's certainly an allure to the whole to the whole fly fishing thing, you know, taking it to the its purest you know like taking it to its most basic form and i i I got a lot of respect for that and you know this conversation makes me you know at least want to at least give it a shot sometime sometime you know just to see see what it's like you know because i i up until this point it's been extremely intimidating like you know just this the whole the whole thought of it is like man i i don't even i wouldn't even know where to start so it's like I, I it wouldn't even it hasn't even crossed my mind. But now it's like, hey, you know, especially if I had if I if I had a buddy that had a setup and I would like borrow it for a day and just give it a shot before he drop a thousand dollars. You know, that's another thing. But I think we've preached this a bunch of times in our previous podcasts about using a guide to up your learning curve or to let's say to mm-hmm. cut down your learning curve. Um, and I think maybe for guys like us that are already, you know, familiar with muskies and have all the conventional gear, maybe a day out with a guy like you like to, uh, to, you know, just test the gear out or test the fly stuff out and really see whether or not you, I think that's probably a, a pretty good, a good spend, you know, g- good money spent there. Oh, I think good. I think we should give Scott a real challenge and see if he can get Owen to catch a muskie on the fly with one hand. With the one yeah. hand, <laughs> I like I like challenges. So but, I'm, but, I'm having a hard enough time wiping my own ass with my off hand, let alone trying to catch a fly <laughs> with the off hand. But now you're, you know, exactly what you said. You're intimidated by it before, but that's ex- exactly what I'm trying to help people not be as intimidated by trying it. I'm trying to build, you know, this sport and try to show people that it doesn't have to be difficult. It doesn't have to be, you know, expensive. It doesn't, you know, that's what I'm trying to do. And, you know, doing the presentations that I'm doing, you know, there's 
everybody kind of feels the way you do. Like they're everybody kind of feels intimidated by it. So not alone in that. And, you know, you're right. I mean, I, I definitely take people out and show them, you know, introduce them to the sport and show them everything that they need and, and kind of, you know, get, start them on their journey, you know, and most of the people that I've taken and they've, even if they didn't catch a fish, they might've moved the fish. It's kind of intrigued them and got them involved in it. And, you know, I'm just doing my small part to kind of build this sport. So you're, you're not alone in your, in your feelings. Just I that's, what I, that, I, that's a good way. You just use the, the, the term start people on their journey. I think that's a great way of, of putting it because so oftentimes, you know, it, it is a journey and you just you start with just getting your foot in the door. And once you get your foot in the door with whatever, then then you learn, you meet people, then you begin to, you know, expand your horizons, your 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 connections. And, you know, I, I think this is a good way of kind of getting people like, hey, you know, maybe go give go give fly fishing for muskies a shot here. Yeah, absolutely. Especially like in my head, I, like I look at dudes that um catch a bunch of muskie on gear every year and they're they're very very successful at doing it like give yourself a challenge but like in my head like i'm that, that type of person to where like i would hit a point where i'd be like man this isn't driving me anymore mm-hmm. like you know what i mean why not try something that that makes it a little bit harder like to me those people just want to catch fish and i'm not about that i'm about the challenge of of you know the battle so to speak i'm more about the battle versus just catching a fish i if i wanted to just catch fish i would do it in an easier manner you know like i like i did i just don't understand that mentality of just you know but that's individuals you know we're all different we're all you know have different ambitions and different goals in life and some guys just want to keep catching fish all the time doing the same shit but i'm not like that and you know, I, I just like the battle and the challenge with these fish because they're, I mean, you guys know they're hard as hell to catch. Oh, yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I, I would love awesome. any of you guys fishing and just show you what it's all about. I mean, and I have all the gear, like I have the rods and, and all the flies and yeah, you know, so most that, of the people go ahead. I'm sorry. That, that brings me to a good question. Uh, you know, if someone were to go on a guide trip, what would they need? You know, do, or can they just show up and, and you've got it all? I have everything. They only need to bring a good positive attitude and a good vibe with them and be ready to cast their asses off. And what about the GoPro you know, and the sunglasses? Uh, the essentials. Do you supply those? I don't supply sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now final, final question here. If, 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 if one of us comes to fish with you and we catch a muskie, must we take a picture with the fly rod behind our back? This, I'm going to tell you something. I, do, I try to do it. I don't get my fly rod all the time, but I try to do it as much as possible just because that's my way of showing that I didn't cheat and catch it on gear. <laughs> nice. Nice. That's great. That's great. Hey, we can't, I we can't even balance our rods on our back. So you guys have one up on us. I actually tried to balance a rod on my back. I tried to balance a trolling rod on my back one time and it's harder than it looks. It, it, is. It, it is. But I'm at least especially, especially when you're holding a 50 inch muskie. <laughs> 
I'm only teasing. You know that. <laughs> well, I, I want to say thank you. Thank uh, you. Know, thank you for taking the time to come on here and, and, uh, and enlighten us because really, I mean, I've, I've really wanted to know more about this because I see there's a couple guys, a couple guys that listen to this podcast that, um, that fly fish on my little lake, uh, not my little lake, but Canadota Lake, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Um, oh yeah. Um, but apparently, you know, they like that lake, you know, it's, they said it sets up nice for, for musky fly fishermen. So, you know, I've, I've always been intrigued and this has definitely helped me to, to think, Hey, you know what, maybe give this, give this thing a shot. Absolutely. And, and if you ever have any questions or need help on gear options and stuff like that, hit me up. Is there anything that you want to plug, you know, you know, other than your guide service, anything, or, you know, where can, where can anyone find you if they want to try to set up a, a date uh, and what type of like, uh, are you doing full day, do half day? What are your options? I only do for the muskie. I mean, they're hard enough to catch in a full right. day. So I only, <laughs> I only strictly do full days, you know, and my full days for muskie or daybreak until you know, it gets dark or you tap out. I mean, I don't, it's not a, uh, eight hour trip. It's an all day trip. Um, so yeah, that's my musky trips. Now the, the steelhead and the trout, those are eight hour full days. And I can also do half days for those, but you know, I prefer doing full days. It just gives you options for, you know, if the fish aren't eating a lot of times, you know, you got to be able to, to move around and, you know, especially for steelhead, we could be on three, three or four different trips in a day. You know, it just, you're limited if you, if you're only doing four hours on, on a trip. So I like to do full days, but you know, those ones, if, if people are insistent, you know, I'll do a half day for those, but uh, yeah. So anyway, I, the, the Instagram accounts, Keystone Anglers Guide Service. Uh, we also have a Facebook page under the same name. And then my personal uh, Instagram is gmoney5381. Um, but he gets That's a kick out of that. <laughs> That's an old nickname from when I was growing up. So I, I, I just kind of hung on to it. But I like it. Um, yeah, that's the way to get a hold of me. And I appreciate the, uh, the opportunity to be on your program. Yeah, thank you for coming Thanks, on, man. Absolutely. thanks for talking a to a bunch of gear yeah. a bunch of gear bums like us we'll yeah and, we'll try and better ourselves yeah. and dabble I'll in the fly broaden our horizons a little bit yeah absolutely i appreciate yeah. it and i i'm honored to be on thanks glad you had fun donnie have fun down there buddy yeah scott i want to thank you again uh i really enjoyed this and i personally am definitely going to be booking a trip with you i want to get out there and give this a shot so thanks again man I need my top water please teach that guy how to catch a steelhead while you're at it scott tell him tommy scott don't get it <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna have to pat, right, him, pat him down for bulldogs before you, uh, you get in there Thanks, Scott. See you guys. I had to shake him on my last case. Big O don't play. 